Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Wednesday, August 11, 2021, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Republicans, they block Democratic attempts to get some movement on voting rights legislation for the August recess. Now, Democrats will wait until September. The Poor People's Campaign, they are not waiting. They will be deliver, hand-delivering their request for them to move tomorrow. I'll tell you all about that. The family of civil rights icon Congressman John Lewis was in town today to express their displeasure about nothing being passed so far when it comes to voting rights. Several civil rights groups are urging President Biden in the filibuster. They plan to deliver our, again, that petition tomorrow. Census numbers will be released tomorrow, and we'll find the impact of, of redistricting due to the new numbers, but also, guess where the growth has been? People of color, but will we benefit from new seats? Community in Louisiana is outraged by a racist social media post by a teacher in a predominantly black neighborhood. They're demanding she be fired. Two Georgia basketball coaches are being charged with murder 
after one of the athletes died after working out in 106 degree heat two years ago. Yeah, we also talked with the president of the National Medical Association about vaccine and mask mandates. All of that more coming up next. Roller Martin Unfiltered. It's time to bring the funk. Let's go! He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. The attempt by Democrats to get consideration for voting rights before their recess got blocked by Republicans early this morning. Senate Majority Minority Leader Mitch McConnell quickly rejected Majority Leader Chuck Schumer as he tried to bring up uh, Senate Bill 2093, a revised version of Senate Bill 1, the For the People Act, after the chamber approved a budget resolution. And at this late hour and before the conclusion of the session, this chamber is going to take one more step in the fight to perfect, protect voting rights in this country. In a moment, I will move to discharge the Rules Committee from further consideration of the For the People Act, a vehicle for the Senate to have a debate on voting rights. It is my intention that the First Amendment to the bill would be the text of a compromise bill that a group of senators are working on. Let me be very clear. This is a debate the Senate must have. In America today, we are witnessing the most sweeping and coordinated tax on voting rights since the era of Jim Crow. Reactionary Republican legislatures are making it harder for poorer, younger, and non-white Americans to vote, while at the same time making it easier for partisan actors to steal an election. Well, here we go again, colleagues. Uh, we've seen this once before. And I think it's fitting that after passing this budget resolution full of reckless taxing and spending, we end the evening with an effort to federalize, take over all elections all across America by the federal government. Now, we're hearing there's going to be a substitute, but what's technically before us is as follows. After ramming through this uh, this reckless taxing and spending spree, here in the dead of night, they also want to start tearing up the ground rules of our democracy and writing new ones, of course, on a purely partisan basis. I suppose the timing actually makes sense, given the terrible votes that every Democratic senator has just cast here tonight. I can understand why their thoughts have turned so quickly to their next election. And Senator Ted Cruz of Texas objected to the measure shortly after 4.30 a.m. The Senate voted 50 to 49 to approve a motion to discharge S-1 out of the Senate Rules Committee, meaning it advanced out of committee into the Senate floor. Since there was no movement during this session, Schumer promises voting rights will be the first matter of 
Legislative business they will take up when lawmakers return from recess on September 13th. Now, today, the family of civil rights icon John Lewis was in town. Uh, they are not happy the Senate did not pass any legislation. Lewis's two brothers and niece stood with Transformative Justice Coalition uh, on the Supreme Court steps today, pleading with President Joe Biden to do whatever it takes to pass the For the People Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. This is a wonderful day in our nation's capital, but I cannot say that based upon what has happened and what has, more importantly, what has not happened. What has not happened is that our Senate of the United States is not in session right now. What has not happened is that the For the People Act that would cover millions of Americans, people of color, communities of color, has not been passed. What has not happened is that what is necessary to be certain that our democracy is protected and that right to vote is protected has not happened. But one thing that I am confident of that will happen is that the American people will rise up and demand that the Senate come back into session yes. and pass the Florida People Act and to protect every American's right to vote. We have a current fight that is worthy of the same spirit and stamina that our hero, John Lewis, brought to the Selma, to the Edmund Pettus Bridge in 1965 that led to the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which is under serious attack and is being assaulted by state legislature after state legislature. H.R. 1, as we know, was designed to protect the people, to make it easier for them to vote, not harder. H.R. 1 and H.R. 4 is actually written by the late Congressman John Lewis. H.R. 4 actually put in place to uh, enable uh, states to put in their own uh, laws about voting making it harder, scaling back. Um, I was talking at breakfast this morning, I used an analogy which I thought was very fitting. If you keep slicing the voting right, you keep taking parts out of it. It's kind of like a cake sitting on this counter here. You keep slicing parts all around it. Very soon, there's nothing left. And the congressman worked more than 60 years of his life protecting the voting rights. Yes. And when you're protecting the voting rights, yes. you're not only protecting just voting rights. Yes. You're protecting a wide range of rights. Yes. Uh, I, I, I think about my parents uh, when they used to talk about when they couldn't vote. My mom. And I was just a little boy and a lot of this stuff I didn't understand. But as I grew older, and understand more about the political uh, realm of things, I know how important it is to protect the right to vote. I can't walk in John boots, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my hat on and start walking. Yeah. Amen. John had did so much for this country, for this human race, black race, uh, all races. It didn't make him no difference. He tried to do his best 
to make it right for everybody. So I'm going to pledge today that I will fight non-violently to everything goes that John voted to go. Yes. And I recently heard a song that John Lewis still lives. Yes. He still lives. He still lives. And we keep that in our mind and run this race with patience. Yes. We will see the evidence that John Lewis still lives. I am proud to be able to vote simply because of all of the hard work he done. I am able to vote because of the beating he went through. Well, and because of that, I stand here proudly, like my uncle said, putting on my shoes, ready to fight, ready to walk, ready to stand still, ready to sit if I have to, to do what's needed to make sure this vote, this act is passed. Yes. SR will be passed. SR2 will be passed. HR1 shall be passed. HR4 shall be passed. Why? Because we need to make it easy for us to vote. We need to make it make sure we capture the information that will make it possible for people to vote without being persecuted, without being ridiculed, without being held down, pressed down. We've been pressed down long enough. Now it's time to vote. Now it's time for us to be able to vote freely. Now we have to focus on our future. And if we don't pass this bill, what's going to happen to the generation to come? Right. What's going to happen to our grandkids and our great-grandkids? What's going to happen to your great-grandkids? What's going to happen to your generation as well? Because one thing we know, Uncle Robert didn't stand for black. He stood for all. He wanted all men to be equal. He wanted all men to have the same justice. And so with that being said, we must vote and long live John Lewis. Now, tomorrow, several voting rights advocacy groups from across the nation will join Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton to deliver a petition to the White House, as well as Senators Schumer and McConnell. That petition will urge the president to publicly urge the Senate to end the filibuster, ensuring a crucial uh, bill is passed. Uh, I, in fact, uh, before we actually came on the show, uh, I got a text message from uh, Reverend Dr. William Barber, and this is uh, what he sent me. Uh, as well, he said, um, Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival, a national multiracial faith leaders and Texas legislators to hand deliver moral challenge to defend the infrastructure of our democracy to Senate and White House leadership. Uh, a delegation of multiracial national faith leaders, uh, they're going to uh, deliver that to, again, as I said, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Senate Minority Leader uh, Mitch McConnell, President Joe Biden, and Vice President uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, they will include Bishop William Barber, uh, Reverend Dr. Liz Theo Harris, co-chairs of the Poor People's Campaign, Dr. Jim Winkler, President and General Secretary of the National Council of Churches in Christ. Uh, also, uh, so now they're going to start, uh, they'll gather outside the Supreme Court at 10 a.m. Uh, for a news conference tomorrow, then walk over to the Senate offices together to deliver uh, the urgent demands. The letter will demand in the filibuster, fully restore and expand protection of the 1965 Voting Rights Act, passage of all provisions of the bill of the, John, of the bill John Lewis wrote before the People Act, and the immediate increase in the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. They will deliver these demands six days after the 56th anniversary of the 1965 Voting Rights Act. Joining us right now is Cliff Albright, co-founder of Black Voters Matter, and will be one of the folks uh, who's going to be with Congresswoman Holmes, uh, Holmes Norton uh, tomorrow. Cliff, um, this uh, we've talked about this beforehand. 
the constant pressure uh, that is needed. We saw the action that took place today. Congress did not uh, move. The Senate Republicans uh, blocked them again. Uh, but the reality is, if you had some guts shown by Kristen Sinema of Arizona and Joe Manchin of West Virginia, uh, they could actually end the filibuster and get these bills moving. Yeah, thanks for having me, Roland. I mean, you're exactly right. Um, we, we need those senators, and not just those senators, because it's those two, and they, they might be the, the, the worst and most stubborn of the crew. But there's some other ones that have been a little problematic and on the fence in regards to the filibuster. You know, there's, there's people like Senator Coons from, from, from Delaware and, and Carper and, and, and a couple of others. And so, you know, what, we're, what we've been saying is that recess can wait, right, that, that the Senate should not have recessed until they dealt with voting rights. They suspended their recess, including over the weekend, so that they could deal with this infrastructure bill. If they could do that for infrastructure, then surely, surely they can deal with one of the most fundamental rights that this country has, which is the right to vote, and passing this voting rights legislation. They failed to answer that call. Be that as it may, then we're, we're adjusting the call from recess can wait to recess needs to be cut short. They can come back early from this research, from this recess. The, the House on their side is coming back August 23rd to, to deal with not just inf, um, infrastructure and the, the budget reconciliation, but to also deal with voting rights, in particular H.R. 4, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, because they've already passed the For the People. And so they're coming back in, uh, in the, towards the end of August. The Senate can cut their recess short and come back. And unless they, and if they, until they do, the other call that we're putting out, and I'll talk about this tomorrow, is that if they're going to be on recess, then we need to be hounding them, particularly, again, the, 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 the most problematic ones in those states. We need to be, at, at any event that they're doing in, in their districts and their states, then folks need to be there demanding uh, voting rights and demanding that they cut recess short and come back and deal with those voting rights. It ought to get to a point where they want to end their recess because they're so doggone tired of seeing folks um, um, raising these issues with them while they're in their states on their on their recess. And so that's what we're going to be doing. We'll be talking about that tomorrow. But more importantly, tomorrow is at the White House because we're making the call and delivering these petitions to the White House saying we need President Biden to pick a side. We need him to lean in. We need him to call for them to come back from the recess and to, and to deal with voting rights. He has got to be unequivocal at demanding um, and using everything he has at his disposal to get this voting rights legislation passed. And so what we heard for a very long time is that the priority of the White House was the infrastructure bill. Okay, mm -hmm. it's now passed the Senate. It goes over to the House. No more excuses from the White House. No more excuses from President Biden. That's right. No, no more excuses, right? You, 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 you've done your job. You, you held your 300 or so. We've heard that he held 300 meetings in regards to passing the infrastructure bill. Um, there's, there's been a fraction of that, maybe less than 1% in regards to, to voting rights. So we need him to keep up the same energy that he just showed for the past couple of months for infrastructure. He's got to do the same thing in regards to uh, voting rights. But let me add this, because infrastructure is not quite yet done, right? The, the, the House still needs to act on it. And so part of what we're also going to be saying, even though we appreciate our friends over in the House, they were the first to pass H.R. 1. They've been the ones, four members, as you know, four members of the Congressional Black Caucus arrested um, over the past month demonstrating for, for the For the People Act. So we know that they've done a lot, but we might need them to do a little bit more because we have got to um, start connecting this issue of infrastructure to voting rights. The same way Congress, including Nancy Pelosi, is saying that they're not going to pass that infrastructure bill until the Senate takes action on, on reconciliation, the same way that she and the House 
um, are connecting those issues. We need them to connect it to, to voting rights. In other words, President Biden, until we get some action, and Chuck Schumer, until we get some action on the uh, For the People Act, this cherished infrastructure bill that y'all just passed, it may not get acted on in the House. That's the call that we need to start putting out to those those are on our side and friendly um, on the House side. Um, and that's the type of uh, leverage uh, that is needed. Yeah, I mean that's 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 this is a lesson in power. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's 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 a moral lesson. You know, it's 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 a it's an issue about voting rights and civil rights and all that. But you know, if we're not clear, this is about power. Mitch McConnell is unapologetic and unashamed about the ways that he uses his power for the wrong. He uses his power against um, those who are marginalized, against black and brown voters and, and young voters and, and veterans and, and disabled folks. They are not ashamed about the way that they use their power for the good. We've got to be not ashamed about the way that we use our power and the way that we ask our friends, again, those that are, that are uh, supposedly on our side, we need them to use the power that we have given them. This is about power, and we're going to be making the demand that we connect these issues. Um, so, again, you've demonstrated, President Biden, Chuck Schumer, you've demonstrated that you care passionately about infrastructure, probably more passionately than you care about voting rights. Well, guess what? Right now, we're more passionate about our voting rights than we are about that infrastructure. And if we need to connect those two and use that leverage and use that power in order to get our priorities done, and not just, it's the House's priority. They named it HR1 because it was their first priority. So if it's their first priority, they've got to send a clear message to the Senate that they're not going to move on the House side until the Senate moves on their side in regards to voting rights. The thing that I find to be uh, real interesting uh, when, we, when we talk about uh, this issue, you have Senator Joe Manchin, who, uh, who is pushing hard for this national voter ID. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to understand who the hell is asking for that? <laughs> well, you know, we, we know who's, who's, who's asking for it. It's, it's, it's the Republicans that are driving that narrative. It's the big lie that's driving that narrative. And, and Joe Manchin, out of his uh, odd uh, desire to be so-called bipartisan, with folks that have already demonstrated that they don't mind overturning elections, right? Like, like you, he's going out of his way to give credence to the big lie, right? And so that's really what he's what he's doing here. He's he's catering to to those Republicans that you know he's he's um, hungry to have their acceptance and, and and approval in the spirit of bipartisanship, which again ignores the fact that that the bill and the things that the uh, are in the John Lewis Voting Rights Act as well as in the For the People Act already have overwhelming bipartisan support. If you define bipartisanship on the country, instead of defining it on the, the, the people that are in the Senate and in the House, a hundred and something of whom voted, voted to overturn the election. You can't get bipartisanship with, with, with people that have that track record. So that's what he's talking about, and that's who he's catering to when he throws out some of these proposals in regards to uh, in regards to, to voter ID, as well as when he ignores some aspects that are in the For the People Act, like the issue of, of, of reenfranchisement and restoration of the vote to people who have had previous felony convictions. His compromise proposal ignored that completely. That's unacceptable. But again, that's what happens when you have a senator who's going out of his way to appeal to those who have already proven that they have no interest in expanding access to the vote. And this is literally what he said on the Senate floor, and I'm still trying to find out where these 10 folk he keep talking about. It's crystal clear that I do not support the For the People's Act. 
Over the past few months, I've worked to eliminate the far-reaching aspects of that bill and amend the legislation to make sure our elections are fair, accessible, and secure. In June, I voted to begin debate in the Senate on my amended voting rights legislation, not for the People's Act. Tonight, I'm again voting to move that process forward because I believe that we need to come together to restore people's faith in the integrity of our elections. But I do make it very clear that I will not support the, for the People's Act. For example, I firmly believe that we need common sense voter ID requirements, just like we have in West Virginia, that strengthen the security of our elections without making it harder for Americans to vote. I also firmly believe that we shouldn't politicize the Federal Elections Commission, prohibit any guardrails on vote by mail, or prevent local election officials from doing basic maintenance of voter rolls. The compromise bill we voted on in June included all of these important provisions, and I urge my colleagues, Democrats and Republicans, to allow us to debate this critical issue and come up with a bipartisan solution that protects every American's right to vote. All right. so. And you see Republicans, actually, actually, if y'all go back to it, uh, that, if you look at the graphic there, that was the end, Republicans for voting rights. They're the ones who are championing what Joe Manchin just said there. The reason I'm laughing, I'm sorry, he keeps talking bipartisan, 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 just for the sake of shits and giggles. Please show me the 10. See, that's the whole deal. All these media people, all these mainstream media people who keep talking to Joe Manchin because he, he won't come over here, they refuse to ask him, Joe, show me your 10. He right. can't yeah. because they don't mm -hmm. exist. Right. And you, you hit it on the head. I, you know, I get it. I, I scream at the TV every time I see one of these interviews that some of these reporters do with them. And he'll say, you know, yeah, we, I think we got them. The, the, the votes are out there. The 10 are out there. And I'm waiting for them to ask the next follow-up question, which is exactly what you're asking. Who? Who are the 10? In fact, don't even tell me who are the 10 that are guaranteed to do it. Who are the 10 that are even in discussions about this? He can't name 10. He can't name five. He can barely name two. But he gets away with it, and, and you're exactly right. I'm glad you showed that graphic because showing that it was the Republicans for voting rights or whatever it was called. Because what he is doing, he is giving Republican talking points. He is using the big lies as a talking point. Every time he talks about, oh, we need voter, we need photo ID in order to uh, have the integrity or security of our elections, like like West Virginia. There's there's other states that don't have any form of photo ID, and their elections are just as as secure, if not more so, and have greater participation in West Virginia. So he again, he's using the big lie. He's using Republican talking points to rationalize things like photo ID, and and even you heard him talking about um, the maintenance of the voter rolls, which we know has been used to purge voter rolls and to disproportionately impact black, brown, young voters, college students, et cetera, et cetera. And so he is using Republican talking points. And again, we are going to have to, because at the end of the day, we know, you know, when he shows you who he is, then, then believe him, right? But we know what we've got to do. We've got to show up. We've got to support people in West Virginia, because they exist, that are trying to hold him accountable. We've got to support that process. We've got to support direct action. We've got to support and encourage um, civil disobedience, and not just in West Virginia, and not just in Arizona, but in Delaware, in New York, where Chuck Schumer is, as well as in at least three or four other states where there are Democrats, Democratic senators that have been on the fence about the filibuster. We have got to 
be ungovernable, and we have got to let them see us everywhere they go um, uh, in, in the spirit of love and accountability, right? But we have got to have civil disobedience in order to let them know that we are serious when we're talking about voting rights. Because at the end of the day, our voting rights are connected to all these other issues that we're dealing with, including COVID, which is ravaging parts of this country. Cliff Albright, co-founder of Black Voters Matter. We surely appreciate it, man. Thank you so very much. Thanks, Roland. Bringing my panel now, I'm Robert Patillo, executive director, Rainbow Push, Coalition Peachtree Street Project, Monique Presley, legal analyst, crisis manager, Georgia Fort, uh, independent journalist. Glad to have all three of you here. Robert, I'll start with you. I, I, I really do get a kick out of every time I hear Joe Manchin talk. And all these folk keep saying, oh, bipartisan, 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 bipartisan. And I just sit there and go, y'all, he lying. In fact, I was, um, I was uh, looking at, it was a tweet um, that um, Amanda Carpenter, she is a Republican, uh, she's a commentator on CNN. Uh, and so she actually uh, had said, uh, that's right. Uh, she's like, uh, you know, the four, four people act as dead. You know, Joe Manchin can get, uh, 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 you know, can get this thing over. He can't. He can't. He cannot bring 10 Republicans because they don't exist. Well, look, Roland, it's, it's interesting because that wasn't a bipartisan discussion Joe Manchin was having. That was a Dixiecrat discussion uh, that Joe Manchin was having when it comes to the right to vote. Uh, understand what he was talking about, nationalizing photo ID. For what reason? Uh, the only point of that is to make it more difficult for elderly people to vote, to make it more difficult for poor people to vote, for the homeless to vote. Your right to vote is not to be, supposed to be incumbent upon your housing status, which is what that would do. Uh, maintenance of the voter rolls, what is... Uh, subterfuge for is the idea of these voter purges, where you take tens of thousands of people off the voter rolls and then force them to proactively go back and put themselves back on the voter rolls. So he is talking about one step further than uh, uh, than simply not supporting these border people. He said he's introducing his own legislation that not for the people. At. He's making it very explicitly clear where he stands on these issues. So I think we have to get some folks together in West Virginia to find a primary challenge for him. I think the president has to exercise the maximum pressure, because even if we did break the filibuster right now, uh, without Joe Manchin and Christian Sinema on board and whichever other uh, Democratic senators, uh, it, it, we, it still wouldn't go anywhere because we still wouldn't even have 50 votes if you don't have those folks on board. So I think it's going to have to be an all-hands-on-deck situation to ensure that they understand that without the black vote, without the brown vote, they will not be in office, they will not be in a majority, and they have people ready, willing, and able to primary them. You know, and, and this is just rare, uh, Monique. It has to be just uh, just relentless pressure in your face uh, with these two. And then I hear, other, I hear people say, well, none of that's going to work. Okay, fine. Show me what will. Right, no, and I, I'm not saying that I know what will, but I am with those people who am not certain at all that the relentless pressure will get us where we need. I mean, even Cliff and and I, you know, I love everything that they do, but he's looking at the numbers and counting them and saying that it's not just these two senators uh, that are problematic. So elections matter, people. Uh, and, and even with a razor thin majority, it is not enough for the type of assault on our democracy, the type of of racism and entrenched racism that the enemy is attempting to 
advance forward in our nation. So we, we voted once, yes. Uh, I'm not amongst those who say, why would the black people vote again? You better vote again and again and again until there are more of us in power such that it removes all doubt. And that's just absolutely what is necessary here because everything else is going to be a fight and you're going to deal with a president like President Obama had to decide if it was going to be health care to save, his, save millions of lives or if it was going to be something else. And President Biden is doing the same thing now. He's opting for infrastructure and, and trying to get people jobs and trying to get people vaccinated and keep his constituents alive. And yes, that actually matters. Is it that voting does not matter? Of course it doesn't. We need the vote to be secure. But we got this man in and I need him to do all of the things he is doing and do this. So... I, I am torn. I don't have the solutions for this. If I did, I would say so. Um, look, everybody has a role to play, Georgia. I believe when you are a civil rights group, voting rights group, poor people campaign, doesn't matter. Uh, your job is to exert that external pressure. You've got people on the inside, like uh, Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock and others uh, who, are, who are doing their part. Uh, at, the, at the end of the day, uh, you, you got to wear these folks down. And I don't think being quiet, I think you've got you to put more troops uh, on the line uh, to go after them, uh, and it has to be constant. It has, I mean, it just simply has to be relentless. And that's the thing that I think so many people who really do not appreciate uh, the, uh, the Black Freedom Movement don't understand. That was a relentless effort. They were King and, and Abernathy uh, and, and Height uh, and Roy Wilkins uh, and, uh, of course, Whitney Young. Uh, and look, they were in a constant pursuit of where can we exert the next pressure point to get the attention of D.C. Georgia, you on mute. You on mute. Different ways. There we go. Now we hear you. I was going to say, Roland, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm glad that you brought up the historical component, because as a journalist, really trying to center our narrative in the facts of where our nation has come from in terms of voting rights. And historically speaking, when you look at the literacy test and the way that that was an obstacle to prevent black people in this nation from being able to access their right to vote. And now that's just evolved. It's just morphed into what we're seeing play out present day. And I think having that comparison, being able to compare and contrast what happened previously in our nation to what's happening now, I think it helps uh, American citizens, maybe who are not so much into the political scene, really see how history is repeating itself and uh, that this is not a matter of... Um, you know, trying to protect uh, voting security. This is a, a matter of Republicans trying to protect their power. And so they're using this as a strategy, this attack on voting rights, voting uh, suppression that we're seeing play out right now is not about... Uh, the, the security, right? It, it's about how can we maintain power? If we can't convince you to vote for us and keep us in office, how can we dismantle your right to vote? And so I do think uh, it, it serves us well to examine exactly how we can apply pressure from different points. And so even if you're not in D.C., even if you're not represented by some of the politicians who are leading on this issue, you can absolutely organize and galvanize in your own communities to make sure that uh, the, the voting rights of those in your community are protected.
I have every time I hear Joe Manchin talk about, uh, oh, it's all about the security like we have in West Virginia. Dude, there's no evidence of all of this rampant voter fraud. It is a Republican lie. Robert? Uh, well, I think we also have to continue to call that out. We, uh, there's been so much attention on things like Cuomo this week, uh, many of the other uh, trivialities out there. Well, what Reverend Jackson's been saying for 40 years, the right to vote is dispositive of all other rights. Uh, there is no infrastructure bill if you do not have a protected right to vote. You don't get that majority uh, that they have to pass, uh, pass things through reconciliation without a protected right to vote. And the fact that these states are doing this at the exact moment that suddenly many red, traditionally red states are starting to turn purple, if not blue, as Georgia did, I think it was the, the most obvious way of explaining that the only purpose of this was to make it more difficult for black and brown people to vote. I don't understand how you, uh, you have a president who loses an election by three million votes, then they let a half million people die, and they lose an election by eight million votes, and then suddenly you're saying, well, we have to make sure these elections are secure. You need to have a party that represents a majority of the American people if you want to win a majority of the votes, and stop just diddling down with the rules and uh, work on actually recruiting more people uh, to your side of the argument. So I think that there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and we have to attack it from all fronts, because if we if we allow this to stand, then we'll just simply be going back in this circle over and over again. We shouldn't have to win by a landslide every time just to get to eke out a victory. We should actually have fair rules where votes count the way they're supposed to. And, and we see exactly uh, what is going on, uh, Monique. We tie what's happening here uh, with uh, these voting bills that are being passed or being trying to force through by Republicans, then we also have to think about what's going on uh, with United States census. These things are tied together. Uh, the reality is uh, the census is going to have a direct impact on representation. Now, uh, these things matter because uh, tomorrow the Census Bureau officially begins this decade's round of redistricting. And on, of course, and on the clock, we'll start with just with about every state that's going to be drawing new congressional maps. Now, here's the piece. According to the 2020 census, as of April 2020, the population of the United States is 331,449,281. All right. Now, that means based on the population count, the congressional apportionment, apportionment will shift seven seats in 13 states. That means that the six states that will gain House seats, Texas, two, Florida, one, Colorado, one, Montana, one. North Carolina won, Oregon won, okay? Now, we have Florida there twice. I don't know why we have Florida there twice. Uh, Y'all, so pick, take your pick. Florida getting two, they're getting one. Which one is it? <laughs> Thank you, all right? So we'll deal there. Now, here's the piece. Seven states are gonna be losing seats. California will lose one. Illinois, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. Now, let's go back to the seven states that are gonna be gaining, okay? Let's go back to those. Now. Let's go to the previous graphic, please. Previous graphic. Thank you. Now, if you look at that map, Texas, red state, Biden did not win Florida, won Colorado, Montana, red state, North Carolina, won, won my Republicans, Oregon, won my Democrats. Now, but here's the difference, though. Even though um, Republicans won Florida, the question is, where will that particular seat be? Same with North Carolina. Let's go to the seven states that lost. Now, California, Biden won. Illinois, Biden won. Michigan, Biden won. New York, Biden won. Ohio, 
Republicans won. Pennsylvania, Biden won. West Virginia, Republicans won. Same thing. This matters because it's where the loss is going to be. And so when they reach, so whoever's in control of the state legislature, that is going to then decide uh, what goes on. The other thing is this here. We now know that of the, of the, of the shift in the population, Monique, the shift in the population has been the result of largely people of color. What have Republicans been doing? Creating seats to benefit white Republicans. And so, so in Texas, you're from Texas, Texas in the last census gained gain seats due to black and Hispanic. Republicans said, we'll gladly take those and basically elevated white Republicans. And then that's what may very well happen again. Yeah, and that and it's it's hideous. And these are the types of, of facts, frankly, Roland, that I I believe need to be dead front um, in front of our people's faces because we we perish for lack of knowledge. So we have people still, uh, even as we watch people die uh, unvaccinated and and due to this pandemic. We have people still in the face of job loss and, and in Texas in the face of hideous mismanagement. I, I mean, just a complete F of a governor. Um, and they're still saying it's all politics and I don't like to talk politics and politics doesn't matter. And they're all the same. No, they are not. That is not true. That is a lie that they are perpetuating so that we stay home, so that we do not vote, and so that we do not speak out. And so now we are literally watching as our number grows in terms of majority status and we decrease in terms of leadership. And the only way that happens is through the corrupt grab for power. And, and it can only be stopped, as I said, if we are awake, if we are active, if we are standing up, if we are putting on pressure, and if we are doing everything we can to secure the vote. Uh, it, it really is laughable, Georgia, when you see, uh, you know, what they're doing. And I keep saying this is all about maintaining white supremacy, maintaining uh, white power, because they are fearing the demographic shift that's happening. Absolutely. Without a doubt, I think you hit the nail on the head. That's the essence of this fight. And so people at home sitting back watching this play out on CNN, on MSNBC, I think that they should be asking themselves before they get to the poll and find out they can't vote because their right to vote has been taken away from them. Uh, they, they better realize what is at the core of this fight, because I think if you go into the districts of these uh, congressmen and women lawmakers who are uh, spearheading this attack on voting rights, if you go into their districts, I want to know where are the people who are pushing uh, for them to advocate on this this issue in this capacity, because I have not seen or heard in masses uh, public in in the public people being concerned about uh, an attack on on voting security or or anything uh, of of that matter. And so, really, what is the motivation? What is the intent? Uh, behind uh, these uh, congressmen and women who are pushing to dismantle our right to vote. And at the end of the day, Roland, you're right. It, it is not um, anything in, con in concern of security. It has everything to do with power 
And I would even go as far as to say it has a lot to do with uh, upholding the amount of money that they're able to bring in or their stakeholders are able to bring in. Uh, Robert, the, the thing that, again, I think when, when you see what's going on here, you're seeing significant money from very rich Republican donors. There was a story I was reading in The New Yorker. They were talking about uh, who is funding uh, the big lie, and it showed uh, the, the folks, these, many of these billionaires, folks uh, who, who are backing them. And that's the thing. But this is so reminiscent to me of uh, the Civil War uh, and post-Civil War Reconstruction, uh, where you had the bourbon class, where you had uh, the aristocracy, where you had these rich plantation owners uh, who were funding many of these initiatives, and it was these broke-ass folks, uh, these uh, poor white folks uh, who were out there fighting, uh, fighting uh, uh, on the battlefield. And I'm sitting there going, y'all don't even realize that you are fighting uh, against your own interest. Well, you know, the corporate class have figured out how to uh, weaponize and commoditize white supremacy and making these uh, folks think that as long as you uphold white supremacy, even though you may personally be in poverty, uh, that you benefit from that system. Uh, we have to look at what, uh, what's going on on the national level and then look at Georgia as a petri dish because that's how things normally work. Uh, 2004, we have the reauthorization of the voting rights set spearheaded by Reverend Jackson uh, signed into law in 2005. As a result of that, Georgia passed uh, one of the nation's strictest voter ID laws, and indeed it was struck down in 2005 as a poll tax in the state of Georgia. Why is this important? Well, 2006, they reformed it. They put it into place. Uh, at the time, you had, had two previous Democratic governors, Zell Miller and uh, Roy Barnes. Uh, you had many African Americans and Democrats elected statewide. After that uh, new voter ID law went into place in 2006, you did not have another Democrat or African American elected statewide for more than a decade thereafter. And because of that, of that voter ID law, they were able to get control of redistricting in 2010 and 2011, and were able to put Democrats in a permanent minority through gerrymandering and uh, packing districts. And uh, despite the fact that Georgia is a state that's 35% African-American, uh, they have a con there's a constitutional majority for Republicans in the House, the Senate, and every single statewide elected office until Warnock and Ossoff. So this is why when we say these fights for voting rights are so important, because they are not just one big swing. It's a systematic effort over the course of years, over the course of decades to overhaul and take control of American elections uh, against the will of the American people. They always talk about uh, defending and upholding the Constitution. There's nothing more deleterious to the um, Constitution and to Western civilization uh, than these attacks on voting rights. Uh, look, uh, these things are happening They're in our face. People need to understand exactly what's going on. And so we're going to keep folks apprised of this. We're going to keep the pressure going. All right, folks, got to go to a break. We come back. Uh, more on Roland Martin Unfiltered. We'll be talking about, uh, of course, uh, what, what else is happening, uh, you know, on Capitol Hill. The battle, the battle there continues. We'll also talk about, I um, mean, this drama uh, in Louisiana. And then we're gonna show you some crazy-ass white folks in Tennessee, who who were threatening. Listen to me, threatening doctors who testified about the importance of mask mandates. These people are nuts. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered back in a moment. White supremacy ain't just about hurting black folk. Right. You gotta deal with it. It's injustice. It's wrong. 
I do feel like in this generation, we've got to do more around being intentional and resolving conflict. You and I have always agreed. Yeah. But we agree on the big piece. Yeah. Our conflict is not about destruction. Conflict's gonna happen. Till's murder. We saw struggle for civil rights as something grown-ups did. I feel that the generations before us have offered a, a lot of instruction. Organizing is really one of the only things that gives me the sanity and makes me feel purposeful. When Emmett Till was murdered, yeah. that's what attracted our attention. It's your man, Fred Hammond. Hi, my name is Brisha Webb, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Ow. Well, I like a nice filter usually, but we can be unfiltered. Here in the nation's capital. Louis let's go to Louisiana, where the Louisiana community is demanding the firing of an elementary school teacher over a derogatory Facebook post. Julie Colley is a tutor and the in-school suspension facilitator at a predominantly black elementary school in Lafayette, Louisiana. Well, Colley used a racial slur in her comment on a post promoting a back-to-school giveaway on the city's north side. In response to the event's scheduled time, Colley commented, I'm not going at 6.30. Cameron Street, that's Niggerville after dark, LOL. Lafayette Parish School System released the following statement. They said, LPSS is aware of the situation and is conducting a thorough investigation into the matter. Because this is a personnel issue, uh, no further information will be shared. First of all, they call it a personal mm -hmm. issue, but it should be, per it should be personnel because uh, it's not personal, your public school system. Joining us is the chairperson of the Louisiana NAACP Political Action Committee, Narika Ross. Ms. Ross, how are you doing? Hello, I'm blessed and highly favored. So I'm just trying to understand how long should this, this investigation be? Did she write the post? Did she call it Niggerville? This is not that hard. Um, she needs to be removed expeditiously um, for several reasons. One being, this is a different era. So the era in which she was raised is completely different from the era of us millennials. And with that being said, um, social media plays a huge part in our lives. And with that being said, we don't know how many kids or how many students may have seen that slur, Niggerville. I mean, that's absurd. And, so, and the thing is, uh, first of all, when did this happen? Well, actually, it transpired over the weekend. So it took place over the weekend. Today is Wednesday, and they're saying, oh, we need more time for a thorough investigation. Uh, is the post yes. is the post still up? Did she, did she delete it? Well, I, I heard rumors uh, that she claimed her account was hacked, or then I heard another rumor that one of her relatives utilized her device and made that comment, and that... Honestly, that's something you would anticipate someone to say, either their account being hacked or a supposed relative, you know? That's a typical lie. Well, and, just, and again, um, that's always the, oh, I've been hacked, 
Oh, so that's the only comment they made. So if they hack you, they made no other post anywhere else, just this particular one here. Exactly. And out of all the people in the United States, they choose this individual, and they also choose that individual to make a racial slur on a post in regards to our community. Yeah. Um, what have you been hearing from parents? Well, honestly, as a black mom, as a mother with two African-American kids, honestly, I would not want to bring my kid to that school uh, until that teacher was removed and they do a thorough investigation to see if there's any other like-minded individuals who have poisoned the minds of our most vulnerable, which is our youth and our African-American youth at that. Well, uh, we certainly be watching and see what happens here. Uh, I, it is, it is it's, it's, it's inexplicable uh, that this just sort of happened and that it was just sort of happenstance. And so uh, uh, let us certainly let know what happens uh, in the future. Absolutely. And the superintendent, Ms. Irma Trosclair, needs to do her part. Okay. All right. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Have a blessed one. All right. Let's go to Georgia, where two basketball coaches are facing murder charges on August 13, 2019. Imani Bell collapsed during outdoor basketball drills. The heat index that day, folks, was 106 degrees. 106 degrees. Now, what was interesting in reading this particular story is that they were outdoors for basketball drills, but basketball is played inside. Also, what we uh, heard from the account is that uh, they were forcing them to run around the track, run up a hill, and that the, one of the coaches was walking along with her and started running along with her to encourage her. Now, there are actual rules in Georgia that prohibit external or outside activities when the heat index is 95 degrees or higher. Why were they outside when it was 100 degrees? In six degrees. In a moment, we're going to be joined by uh, the family attorney. I want to go to Robert. Robert, you're there in Georgia. Uh, this is one of those things here where it, it is it is beyond sad that a family loses a child who is trying to play basketball um, over working out, over conditioning drills. Um, again, as I said, the rules are clear in Georgia. If the heat index is 95, above 95, you don't go outside. It was 106 that day in Georgia. Uh, you're absolutely correct. And I think this is why we have to have these safeguards in place and why we have to ensure that uh, these people are punished, these people are prosecuted for what they did to this young child. Uh, because quite frankly, there is a sometimes old school mentality that you're supposed to get out there and sweat and struggle and suffer to build character and treat you how to overcome adversity. No, science is science. And a young person's body cannot handle a heat index of that nature. Also, each individual has their own capacity for cardiovascular exertion. Uh, so I think that it is a good sign we're actually seeing uh, educators and other individuals uh, be prosecuted for these sorts of things because we cannot afford to lose a single young person or a single person in general uh, to these sorts of excesses in this mentality of the past. You know, it was, um, Georgia, as I, as I saw this story, I, mean, I just couldn't help but shake my head, uh, you know, thinking about um, the, these coaches, again, going through, uh, you know, these conditioning. And I'm, and I'm still perplexed going, why the hell are you outside? 
basketball is played indoors. You can run laps inside. You can run wind sprints inside. Why in the heck are you outside? Yeah, I think that it is um, indicative of the culture where sports, you know, this idea, especially for young black men, the pressure to perform in sports, to be able to advance in, in your educational career. There's so much pressure. I remember living in Columbus, Georgia, and seeing some fathers uh, training their, their kids uh, by driving in the vehicle and making their kid run in front of the car and just forcing them to run and run and run and run in preparation for football season. And, and now that is a sport that's played outdoors. Uh, but here in, in the event where you have a kid who's playing basketball, why would you uh, subject them to that type of heat when you know that it's dangerous? And so I think that you have a, a situation here where the staff was pushing the students entirely too hard. Uh, the one thing that, that breaks my heart also in looking at this case, not only the fact that they violate the district's policy to not have these children out here uh, if the temperature is higher than 95 or the, the heat index is higher than 95. But the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, uh, their spokesperson, uh, Nellie Miles, they uh, decided in their investigation that this was accidental. And so it contradicts the other findings that we're seeing in the indictment and the charges that are being brought forth calling this manslaughter. And so I would like to see that same level of accountability that we're seeing now in the criminal justice system, that same standard of accountability held by the GBI in their investigation as well. Uh, those coaches were uh, La Rosa Maria Walker, also Carey, and Dwight Broom Palmer. Those are their photos right there. Uh, again, um, and, 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 I'm, and I'm quite sure, and again, we'll hopefully it will be, let me know, we have Justin Miller, uh, who is the, uh, the attorney for the Bell family. Uh, the thing here is, you're coaching a high school girls, girls basketball team. And, and again, pushing them to the brink is just nonsensical. And, 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 and when we see this crazy stuff, I mean, I, I, think, I think back to, um, uh, think back uh, to Monique, uh, and again, the, the, the folklore of when it comes to coaches, you know, in 1954, uh, Paul Bear Bryant was the uh, football coach, head football coach uh, at Texas A&M, um, and uh, they've talked about the Junction Boys, a movie was made out of it, and, the, and it was how uh, he drove them in the heat and guys were throwing up and deprived them of water. Uh, and they hated him for it, but, uh, you know, later on how they just had so much respect for him. And, and again, it, 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 turned, it, it has turned into this, this, this mythic, uh, you know, just amazing story, uh, the Junction Boys and, and, and what they went through. They could have died. They could have died yeah. playing a game. And that's, it's a game. But when, but, when, but when we create these, these, these legends out of these type of stories on how they just know you're weak if you drink water, know, uh, know you know, what's wrong with you, no, you must fight through this, that's the kind of crap a lot of coaches get off on. Right. Well, it, all of that is true. And, of course, coming from Texas and, and being involved in sports and running laps and 90 degree and up weather regularly um, and that 
that was something that was commonly done. There are reasons why we have these laws now because um, young teens uh, and and soon to be adults were um, passing out, having heat strokes, dying. Same thing is true of of concussion injuries and why we have those rules now. But I mean, Roland, look look at other folklore. Look look at pledging. It was thought for many decades, even maybe centuries, that if you didn't get beaten, if you weren't hit with a paddle, that you weren't legitimate in many fraternal organizations, white and black, and that was just beating. So, Oh, yeah, and that, that's, that's dumb that's, as hell. And there are still people who think that today, and they yeah. will make light of, oh, you skated through because you didn't, beat, you, you didn't get beat. Man, kiss my ass. Yes, and, and so I think that as we as a society, as a civilization, um, become more humane in the way that we treat ourselves, our students, our colleagues, our children, our spouses, the rules then, the laws then that are in place have to be such that uh, they support their enforcement. I agree exactly with what Georgia said. We need to see it followed up such that there is no skating when these laws are broken because people's lives are at stake. Um, yeah, I, I still don't quite get these crazy folks when we talk about the beating. Uh, I've made it clear. Uh, another dude my age beat my ass over some letters. Somebody getting their ass whooped. Uh, Justin Miller, he is the uh, attorney for the uh, the Bell family. He joins us right now on the phone. Justin, glad, glad to have you on Roller Button Unfiltered. I guess one of the things, Justin, that is, that is just even more sad is that Imani's father is a coach. And that, yeah, partic that, oh, ahead, that particular day, they called off outdoor practices because of the heat. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, Eric, that's his name. He's the head coach at um, Columbia High School in Atlanta. He sent Imani to another school uh, thinking it was a better school, and, and this is how we ended up. So it's pretty sad for him. Very, very sad, actually. So you have the attorneys here. You have the attorneys who are, are, are arguing that, uh, well, um, that that this really wasn't secondary murder, that it was, it was just reckless. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's what happens. Uh, when you're reckless and you kill somebody, you know, it's murder. It's the same thing as if there was a, you were drinking and driving and then you, you hit somebody and you killed them. You didn't mean to hit them and kill them, but you killed them. You meant to drink. That was the thing you meant to do. In this case, she meant to have those children out there in that heat and then one of them died. So, I mean, you tell me, what's the difference? And so were both of these coaches, uh, 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 is it alleged that both of them uh, were outdoors and driving these young girls? And how many other players... Uh, in addition to Imani, were forced to, to endure this? So we don't know exactly how many yet. We'll know uh, as we get into the civil case a little bit more. But we think there were at least uh, five to ten other ones. Uh, the other coach was out there, uh, but it's our understanding just so far from talking to the kids that he was more so, uh, you know, kind of, prodding them on and, and the head coach was, you know, making all the moves and telling them where to go. His his culpability is more so he didn't stop it. He saw her struggling and he allowed it to continue to happen. So, you know, he could have saved her life out there and he didn't. And and so was it this whole idea of fight through it, fight through it, fight through it? 
1,000%, you know, same same Bobby Knight, Bear Bryant kind of stuff, you know, that old school way of thinking. And um, in this situation, I think that um, it was benefiting more the coach than the players. The coach wanted to win so bad so she could prove herself at her new school that she risked these players' life and, and, and Imani had to suffer for it. Uh, this is from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution story. They said, uh, according to the autopsy report, recounting the moments leading up to her collapse, Imani and eight of her teammates on the girls' basketball team had gathered that day for conditioning. They were told to run up a hill, perform jumping jacks, and then come back down the hill. But Imani struggled, and coaches, noticed, noticing she was lagging, encouraged her and provided water. The players ran a quarter-mile lap around the track and then were instructed to run a set of stairs. Imani tried to run with her teammates, but settled into a fast-paced walk with the coach walking at her side. When she arrived at the stairs, Imani began pulling herself up by the railing. Uh, and then uh, it says a coach was with her, encouraged her, and may have physically assisted her up the stairs. As Miss Bell neared the top, she leaned into the rail and then went limp. Sounds like torture to me. Sounds, it sounds exactly like torture to me. Uh, they're driving them like cattle in the 100-degree-plus heat. I mean, these are little girls, you know. First and foremost, these are not uh, professional athletes. These are young ladies. And, you know, they want to please their coaches. Imani uh, was taught to listen to authority and to try to listen to coaches and do what they say. And, and they ended up getting her killed. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely teaching my kids something different because we're not going to have that. Um, it, is, uh, it is certainly sad. Uh, 16 years old. Uh, and um, this happened two years ago. Uh, she should have been uh, celebrating her 18th birthday. Just, just uh, in, in, um, Her birthday is uh, the 13th, correct? Well, the 13th is her death day, not her birthday. That's I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, 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 according to the death. story, her mom had a birthday. Uh, according to the yeah. story, her mom had a birthday, what was it, um, a couple of days ago? Yeah, about four days ago. That's yeah. the sad part. Her brother's birthday was right before that, too. So this year, around this time, every year they're going to have to deal with that. And and, 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 and those feelings are going to have to come back up yeah, when it's so, supposed to be a happy time. Yeah, according to this article here, yeah, according to the father, my wife's birthday was a couple of days ago. Imani's death day is August 13th. Uh, it's just a time of grieving. So uh, certainly uh, sad there as well. Justin, thank you so very much uh, for joining us. Roland, thank you very much for having me. All right then, folks. Uh, Got to go to a break. Uh, but before we go to a break, uh, Seat.com. We are partnering with them, of course. Uh, we appreciate their support right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, check out uh, a couple of their uh, products uh, that you can take advantage of. What's going on this Right now, you in the world. Please let the music play. Seek.com video by using one of their uh, virtual reality headsets. All you do is just pop your phone right here uh, into the VR headset and enjoy the content. Uh, you can also uh, take advantage of uh, their uh, 360 degree headphones. Uh, these headphones here uh, come in a couple of colors, black and gold, but then also uh, all gold. And so uh, you can uh, check these out if you want to use our promo code uh, to get a discount. Uh, it's RMVIP21, RMVIP21. 
Uh, then, of course, a, a portion of the proceeds comes back to Roland Martin Unfiltered, uh, which allows for us to fund the show. And so uh, this is a black-owned company, and we certainly believe uh, in supporting black-owned companies. Uh, Barry Spio is the founder. Uh, and so, again, go to seek.com and use the promo code RMVIP21. We'll be back in just a moment. When you study the music, yeah. you get black history by default. And so no no other craft could carry as many words as rap music. I try to intertwine that and make that create the whatever I'm supposed to send out to the universe. A rapper, it, you know, for the longest period of time had gone through phases. I love the word. I hate I hate what it's become, you know, and in, in to this generation, the way they visualize it. It's narrative kind of like has gotten away and spun away from, I guess, the ascension of black people. Black women have always been essential. Mm -hmm. So now mm -hmm. how are you gonna pay us like that? And it's not just the, the salary. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a whole number of issues that have to support us as women. Yeah, but that's what we deserve. Mm -hmm. That we shouldn't have to beg anybody for that. I think that we are trying to do our best as a generation to honor the fact that we didn't come here alone and we didn't come here by accident. I always say every generation has to define for itself yeah. what it means to move the needle forward. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm Cupid, the maker of the Cupid Shuffle and the Wham Dance. What's going on? This is Tobias Trevelyan. If you're ready, you are listening to and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Folks, as of today, there are nearly 37 million reported COVID cases in the United States. 634,698 people have died. Right now, there are only 16 U.S. states and territories with mask mandates. Man, that is American Samoa, California, Connecticut, D.C., Guam, Hawaii, Illinois, Louisiana, Nevada, New Mexico, New York State, Puerto Rico, Rhode Island, U.S. Virgin Islands, Virginia, and Washington State. Earlier today, California Governor Gavin Newsom announced that all teachers and school staff uh, must be vaccinated or undergo weekly COVID-19 testing. This is the first state in the nation with this requirement. And then you have people refusing to comply with mask mandates anywhere, especially when it comes to schools now what's interesting is that in florida they're asking the federal government for ventilators yeah ventilators while desantis the governor ron desantis is telling school districts i will withhold the money of super the, the pay of superintendents and school boards if you have a mass mandate now here's what i find to be interesting ron desantis children go to a private school where they have a mask mandate. Sir and Ted Cruz of Texas, Ted Cancun Cruz, whining and complaining, his kids go to the private school where they got a mask mandate. So the mandates are good enough for their children, but they want to tell public schools, no, you can't. Joining us now is Dr. Rachel Goldenway-Bush, president of the National Medical Association. Uh, glad to have you, Doc, uh, on the show. Uh, it, it, it has to be just nerve-wracking to look at a Florida asking the federal government for additional ventilators because their numbers are blowing up 
Yet you have a governor who is doing everything he can uh, to oppose the efforts. In fact, same thing happening in Texas. The governor, Greg Abbott, is asking neighboring states for help to house folks in their ICUs, but he also is saying, absolutely not, don't you dare have a mask mandate. It's ridiculous. You know, I think we have to remember to take our medical advice from the medical professionals and the scientists. And I think we have not done that. And we need to continue to do that, especially with this new Delta, uh, Delta variant. It is extremely aggressive, easily transmissible, and it's, it's, a, it's really a different virus than what um, we dealt with initially last year. And so I think even though everybody is tired, we are all tired, healthcare professionals are especially tired, um, but we really cannot, we really need to remain vigilant, and especially for our community. We were disproportionately impacted when COVID came around and we didn't have a vaccine. Now we have safe and effective vaccines and our community is really underrepresented and not taking the vaccines. And so that's really where our push needs to be right now. We need to vaccinate our communities to keep them safe and keep them healthy, keep them out of hospitals, not needing a ventilator. And we also need to do that to keep our most vulnerable um, population, our children protected, all those children that actually can't take a vaccine, the under 12 at this point. We need to vaccinate adults and all those who are eligible, so all those 12 and over. We need all of those individuals to be vaccinated to help protect, really it's, it's, a, it's just to protect society. It's a public health crisis. And I think we need to remember that. The, um, and again, you're seeing this battle. Uh, today, YouTube suspended uh, the account of Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky uh, because he put out a video saying masks simply do not work. Well, we know that's not true. So, you know, this is the type of misinformation and disinformation that really is affecting um, really our community disproportionately. If you look at the numbers of people who are vaccinated um, and uh, it's overwhelmingly two-thirds of, of those individuals are white. And our community, I think, is about 9% of individuals who are vaccinated. So I think it's really important that really vaccinations are our primary goal. That is, that is number one. But those mitigation strategies, using a mask, especially when indoors, um, social distancing, those things are really still very, very important. All those public health measures are very important. We really can't listen to um, individuals who don't have the interests of our communities um, at heart. We really need to listen to our trusted messengers, our physicians of the National Medical Association. Those are the doctors that take care of you every single day, that take care of our black and brown communities. Those are the people we need to listen to. We don't need to listen to anybody that doesn't have our interests um, at the forefront. The, um, for folks who don't know, National Medical Association is the uh, largest organization of black uh, physicians. Right. And um, what do you say to the people who are so skeptical of the vaccine, who talk about the historical impact of the, med the medical community on African-Americans? I keep saying to folks, we've had numerous NMA doctors on this show. 
We've had NMA folks who have been saying we are going to ensure that these things are done right and proper uh, so they do not uh, affect African-Americans in a negative way. And then you have folks go, well, you got, I, mean, I literally have heard people say, you got some black doctors who are part of this, part of this system, of the white man system as well. I'm like, well, damn, well, who the hell can you trust in? <laughs> well, I think, you know, I, I currently, I see patients every day. I'm an OBGYN. So I actually deal with these questions every single day. I ask every patient that comes in, whether they're vaccinated or not. I take care of pregnant women as well. Um, I think it's really important. People have concerns and we need to not um, dismiss their concerns, really just to validate them, listen to those concerns, especially in our community. We see that when uh, individuals in black and brown communities are given credible factual information by people that they trust, they're more likely to get the vaccine. So um, I think it's really important not to give up on people who have, um, who are concerned. Um, I think we really need to just continue to encourage and educate and advocate for them to get the vaccine. I think we really need to keep in mind, this is a vaccine. There's not a black vaccine or a white vaccine. There's just vaccines out there. So, so while there has been a history of um, mistrust for good reason in our community, it, this is not the case for the vaccine. And I think we need to kind of be able to separate things that are, are, are not related. And, and this is not related. What we do know right now is what's killing us is the COVID-19 virus. That is what's killing our community disproportionately. It did the first time around and it's going to the second time around. And the Delta variant is not playing. It's looking for the people that are not vaccinated. So I think we really need to encourage our community to continue to trust the people that they go to every day to take care of their high blood pressure and their diabetes and to take care of their, their grandmother and the, the dementia in, in their family. I, you know, it's, it, it's always concerning when, when people trust their doctors for those things, but then for some reason think their doctor's part of some conspiracy when it comes to the vaccine. We certainly aren't. I ran to get my vaccine. So, um, and you know, I, I had a mother who was um, hesitant or, or, or concerned about getting the vaccine. And it really took a few months for me to convince her to get vaccinated um, and to um, just to reassure her that they were safe and effective. And now we have real world, world data. We have millions of people in the United States and around the world who have taken the vaccine. They are safe, they're effective, and we need to use them. All right, Dr. Rachel, build it away, I'm sorry, President, National Medical Association. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right, folks, y'all know what time it is. No charcoal grills are allowed. I'm white. I got you, Carl. Illegally selling water with our permit. On my property. Whoa! Hey! Back number. You don't live here. I'm So there are a whole bunch of crazy, deranged white conservatives in America who are losing their minds over mask mandates. Oh, my God, they just can't tolerate these things. Well, in Franklin, Tennessee, which is the richest city in Tennessee, last night there was a school board meeting. And there were doctors that testified, doctors, medical doctors, that testified at the school board meeting about a mask mandate. 
watch these yahoos after the meeting. Credit of a person. Everybody's taking notes, buddy. Keep that little smug. Yeah. Keep it calm. No so more masks. We're on these guys' side. They're no, on our side. No, they're not. They're not no, on our no, side. The police are on our side. The police, the police are on our side. Let's calm, yes. calm down. Calm down. We, we know who we you know are. Who you are. We know we who know you are. Who you, are. you can leave we freely, but we will find you, and we know who you are. You will never be allowed in public again. You will never be allowed. You never let them out of public again. I know who you are. Let them out. Let's let them out. Did you see that? That, that was a, a reporter for the Tennessean. Uh, there was Allison. She posted that video. We'll uh, get a full name in a second. Uh, Natalie Allison. Y y do you hear them saying uh, there, uh, uh, Georgia, we know who you are? We're coming after you? I mean, they were, and, and, and I'm trying to understand. You got cops standing right there. Those are threats mm -hmm. being made. Yeah, and, and I feel like if that would have been a crowd full of black parents or black people, there definitely would have been some arrests made due to those threats and uh, the aggression that was shown, uh, the way that these individuals uh, swarmed in front of this doctor's uh, car. And, you know, it to me, it just makes me wonder, you know, what is it about wearing a mask that make these people this angry. And on the other side of that, I'm absolutely terrified for parents who have children under 12, as we are seeing employers now requiring parents to go back to work. That means that little ones are going to be back in daycares. They're going to be in, in preschool. They're going to be in, in kindergarten, first grade classrooms. And so what's going to happen then when you have uh, groups of small children who are not vaccinated and potentially 
are exposed to the virus. I mean, we, I think, are um, starting to see the ingredients for a huge disaster. And not only do we have to try to mitigate the exposure uh, that our, our children are going to be at risk of going back into the classrooms and going into to daycares as parents go back to work, but now we have to figure out not only how to combat uh, the uh, the virus, but how to combat white supremacy, Karenism, uh, et cetera. So we are we're fighting a lot here, and um, you know it's just unfortunate that we can't count on the law enforcement who were clearly there to do their job and enforce the law. I mean, the, 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 this that is beyond sick, uh, uh, Monique, and apparently uh, they were uh, there at the behest of. Uh, this idiot right here, Clay Travis of uh, Fox News. Uh, he was one of the, matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to play this video. Uh, and so uh, so th this is this idiot, Clay Travis, again, uh, outkick Fox News, uh, a white male conservative. Uh, this is the guy who Jason Whitlock partnered with when he, when he left Fox Sports. That gives you an indication how trash Jason Whitlock is. Uh, but this took place, and it was Travis who ginned this all up. Uh, I called him an asshole on Twitter. I have, I have no problem saying it again, because this is, this is what happens when you're trying to become the next Rush Limbaugh. Good evening. Uh, I'm Clay Travis. I have two kids in Williamson County Public Schools, fifth grader and a first grader, and you all should be ashamed of the choices that you are about Appreciate. to make. We teach our kids that facts matter. That's why they go to school. The facts are these, masks don't work. There isn't a single scientific data that has ever proven that masks work. Also, let's talk about risk analysis, which is the key. I feel bad for all these people walking around in masks, engaging in cosmetic theater, thinking that they are making a difference against COVID. They aren't. Here's the truth. Our kids, under 25 year old, one in a million chance that they are gonna die of COVID. They are more likely to be struck by lightning. They are more likely to be struck by lightning. They are more likely to die of the seasonal flu. Have any of you ever mandated masks for the seasonal flu? Well, shame on you because every kid in Williamson County schools has been under more danger from the seasonal flu every year than they are for COVID. I would tell every parent here, don't let your kids um, wear masks. I bet not one of them want their kid to be that one in a million, Monique. Right. So, um, and that was the only thing he said that was accurate. All of the rest of it about the fact that masks don't work, that's not true, um, that you aren't safer wearing them than not, that's not true, um, that children really were looking at the numbers of pediatric cases, pediatric hospital cases now spiking. Um, and so that's like saying, because they're not going to die from it, we're good with them having it. What 
rational parent, what parent who's actually thinking about the welfare of their family member thinks along those terms. My children would not die of measles, mumps, or rubella, but that doesn't mean that I want them to have it just because the chances are slim that they would die from it. Um, it's all absurd. But what strikes me more so than that is the whims of the crowd, the way that our uh, citizens can be manipulated, that our country really is just a few Jim Joneses away uh, from being a dictatorship where everyone is following not their own interests, but the interests of another, and they are sacrificing their own well-being, their lives, their finances, their education, their stability, their health, all for the sake of a dear leader. And for anyone who thought that that could not happen in this country because of the way that we were founded, you need to wake up and pay attention and see that it is happening. Are they the minority? Yes. But the numbers are large enough that we all should be more than concerned. Uh, well, here's the thing that I, uh, that, that's a trip, Robert. So uh, this idiot, Clay Travis, uh, posted this. Th th these are the people who couldn't get into the meeting. Watch this. Folks in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, uh, have to bear bear their children because of their sheer stupidity. E.C. Roland, this is a perfect Glock 43 situation. That's going to be your subcompact. That's going to be something smaller than, you know, a Glock 19 or a Glock 17 that you can fit in for concealed carry. So you can either have it in an abdomen holster or you can even have it in a small handbag or purse for a situation like this. Now, can I implore people to do not get an extended clip or extended magazine for a subcompact pistol? Because you know, with a 30-round magazine that's bigger than the pistol itself, just train enough where you know how to do a proper switch of your magazine so if you need to reload, <laughs> You can do an expeditious period of time, but when people start I don't know what the I don't know what the hell you talking about. But go ahead. You're going to need to. I have no idea what the hell you talking about. Look, look, Roland. If your car gets surrounded by a bunch of crazy MAGA saying that we know where you're at and what you're going to do and how they're going to get you, get yourself a nice Glock 43 to keep yourself safe. But those folks are crazy. All we doing, all we doing is hitting, hitting the gas pedal. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I think it's Hold on, I'm just saying, surround my big ass navigator. Okay, trust me. I'm gonna put a Lincoln I'm gonna put a Lincoln imprint in the middle of your chest. Go ahead. Well, look, we're we're dealing with a group of people who are disconnected from reality. When the, when he says masks don't work, remember earlier this year when we had a mask mandate and then we got rid of it uh, uh, presumptively because we thought everybody was going to get vaccinated. What happened the minute we got rid of the mask mandate? All of a sudden, you got a hundred thousand people a day being infected with COVID. That's the empirical evidence that you need. These people are completely separated from reality. They see this as a cultural war issue. They see this as an oppressive uh, uh, tyranny, Marxist state trying to 
take their liberty away from them. This is all they have left to fight for. So we are in a very tenuous period of time where these folks will storm the Capitol. They will storm school board meetings over CRT that they don't understand. They'll storm the schools over mask mandates just because somebody doesn't want to. Uh, even the kid isn't going to die from COVID. He might infect the janitor or the school resource worker or the uh, the lunch lady or an administrator or someone along those lines. Or he might catch it at school and bring it back home and kill grandma. So we, we these people are disconnected from every bit of reality or objective fact. And we have to make sure we are prepared as a community in case these folks get another January 6th in mind now on a national level. I, I'm telling you, I, I'm just I'm I'm just looking at these uh, uh, these crazies here, and 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 that's that's what they are. And, and I am happy to see Georgia. I am happy to see school districts, uh, the Houston Independent School District, the Dallas Independent School District, the Austin Independent School District, Broward County uh, in Florida. I'm happy to see these school districts telling uh, Governor Greg Abbott and of Texas and Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida to go to hell. When it comes to them and their mass mandates, they're saying, no, we're going to require it uh, and take your executive order and shove it. Yeah, I think it's the, the smartest thing to do in order to keep our children safe. And we know, historically speaking, just because something is legal doesn't mean that it's right. And so even though we can't count on some of our governors and mayors to do the right thing, uh, parents need to lean into the fact that they have a choice. They have a choice to homeschool. They have a choice to request distance learning, but uh, also a choice to speak out. And so I am glad to hear uh, some people speaking up against this. Uh, crazy rhetoric that it's it looks like so many people are getting behind and what it what it tells me is that uh, white privilege is important to so many white Americans and and this to me is white privilege not at its at its finest but uh, definitely on full display uh, they they I'm telling you um, um... Monique, these folk here, and, and, and uh, so now they've shifted from critical race theory now to uh, no mask, fight it. I mean, you got folks like Texas uh, Congressman Dan Crenshaw and Senator Rand Paul telling these people uh, resist, fight. I'm like, these people, I mean, I'm talking about just, just, just absolutely out of their minds, absolutely out of their minds. Right, and they were always there. It's just that they were drowned out by the noise of rational thinking people. Trump brought the fringe to the main stage. And so now in, in that space that has been created, we see all of the, the clays of the world and you know the tuckers of the world and whoever battling for the control of the, the you know vapid headspace um, of millions of Americans who really will eat sand and think that it is water. Yeah, and, and, see, and see the thing, and, and, and the thing, Robert. These people are are so dumb and gullible. They don't even realize that people like Clay Travis, all they're doing is trying to build their name off the off of their sheer ignorance. I mean, that, that that's the other deal. Oh, oh, and then and just think about it logically also. If you're working for Fox as a journalist, you're vaccinated. It, it, they sent out an email a couple weeks ago. You got to be vaccinated. Hold on, not, as, not as vaccinated. They have not been in the facility. That's why when you watch, mm -hmm. uh, you watch these shows in the five boxes, because they ain't on set. 
And then if you are in studio, you have to wear a mask the entire time you're inside. So while you're going to these poor rural communities, telling them to fight back against these oppressive mask mandates, when you're doing your job and getting your paycheck, they're ensuring they're following every health and safety protocol, and you're completely inoculated. It's the, it's the, the worst case of demagoguery that I think we see often. About a month ago, Tucker Carlson did a, a commentary where he said, if you see a child wearing a mask, that's child abuse, uh, call the authorities on them. And you heard at the beginning of that clip, somebody said, well, if a child has to wear a mask, that's child abuse. They are repeating these messages they hear in conservative media. They've been completely bought and sold into these conspiracy, conspiratorial ideas. They believe that the vaccine gives you microchips. They believe that the mask are a sign of a totalitarianism. They believe that critical race theory is teaching kids to hate, black, uh, to hate white people. These are a very dangerous group, and we have to work on one counter-messaging uh, counter them to hopefully bring some of them back to reality, but we just need to be prepared for the remainder. Um, crazy and deranged. All right, folks, got to go Which for talk. Robert means shoot them. Go ahead. Which for Robert means shoot them. <laughs> Monique, I'm telling you, if you don't want the Glock 43, Monique, you can get a Taurus. It's about half the price, either a G2C or a G3. It fits perfectly on, on everything. It's great for even jogging. You go from countermeasures <laughs> such as talking, like messaging, into recommending my Glock. Like, isn't there anything else available? Look, look, you, you go out there. You go out there and figure it out. I, on the other hand, uh, got, I ordered some ammo while we were talking. <laughs> okay. Lord have mercy. All right, y'all, I got to go to a break. Uh, we come back a few headlines. But before we go to the break, please support what we do here at Roller Martin Unfiltered. Remember, every dollar you give goes to support this show and what we do. Uh, of course, uh, we've got some fantastic things that are coming up. I'll be broadcasting a special edition of this show on Sunday uh, from Safety Entertainers Golf Tournament uh, in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, folks, it's going to be an amazing show. Uh, it's going to be 9 p.m. Eastern when we actually start. Uh, trust me, you don't want to miss it. And then uh, on Monday, mark your calendars. We will not not be live at 6 p.m. Eastern. We'll be live at 8 p.m. Eastern because we'll be live at 5 p.m. Uh, L.A. time from his golf tournament, from the VIP uh, after party, uh, after uh, the round of golf uh, on Monday. Trust me, we're going to have all sorts of celebrities uh, coming through to uh, that show. Uh, join our fan club. You can give. It's very simple. We do not charge you a minimum amount. There are some people who do subscriptions. We don't do that because there are people who simply can't afford uh, a set fee for a month. And so there's some people who have given a dollar, five, 10, 20, 25. We're asked 50 bucks each uh, for the course of the year. That's $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day. Uh, and just so you understand uh, how important that is, our fan base last year gave $672,000. That is what allowed for us to be able to buy the additional cameras, the Canon C300s, allowed us to be able to buy our live view unit. Uh, and just, and I'm gonna just show you this right here, folks, because again, I'm a firm believer in showing y'all what we pay for, which is why when you support us, uh, I've showed you before. So live, so um, uh, live, view, live view is a company, I'm tearing something up. Live View is a, is a company that makes these uh, devices here. And so this is their Live View uh, LU800, okay? When, we, when we're out there broadcasting on the road, folks, guess what? ABC, NBC, CBS, they have these as well. This is the top of the line. We actually have two of them. 
and so uh, this, of course, uh, is important. This, so when we broadcast from Austin uh, from on the March, we, we were using this here. I'm gonna grab the other one. We were broadcasting from LA, we were using these here. And so, uh, just so you understand, uh, these things have a monthly fee, but also here are two units. These are $20,000. The rack unit, for us to be able to see it is around $40,000. And so, uh, just so you understand in terms of what these things cost, uh, and so then you have the monthly fee as well that we actually pay. And so, you can support us via Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. It's also rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. And so, I'm always. Um, being real clear, sharing with you in terms of what we are doing. Uh, let me shout out my man, Jim Jones, who was on the show yesterday. Uh, and Jim uh, gave us a $500 donation yesterday, so I appreciate that, Jim, uh, and you supporting the show. Uh, thank you so very much. Uh, and so uh, I'm going down here. Let's see here. I'm going down. There's some other people. You know what? So when I come back at the end of the show, I'm going to read some of the names of the people who have given to us today. So if you give to us via Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, or Zelle, between now and when we end the show in 15 minutes, I'm gonna give you a shout out, no matter how much you give. Normally I do 50 bucks if you give, I do the shout outs. Uh, but everybody who gives during the show, uh, we will do that uh, at the end of the show. And so I'll give you a personal shout out. Uh, and so we'll do that after the break. We'll be back on Roller Martin and Filter. George Floyd's dead hopefully put another nail in the call for the racism. You talk about awakening America, it led to a historic summer of, of protest. I hope our younger generation don't ever forget that nonviolence is soul force. Right? I believe that people our age have lost the ability to focus the, the discipline on the art of organizing. The challenges, there's so many of them and they're complex and we need to be moving to address them. But I'm able to say, watch out Tiffany, I know this road. That is so freaking dope. <laughs> Everyone, I'm Godfrey, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. And while he's doing Unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble. An Iowa man, folks, will spend the next 10 years in prison for shooting into a car field with black girls after attending a Donald Trump rally. In December, Michael McKinney got to an altercation with the teens and surrounded the teenager's car with other Trump supporters. The car backed up hitting a pickup truck. McKinney fired into a teenager's car, injuring one of the girls. In June, McKinney pleaded guilty to intimidation with a dangerous weapon and willful injury. In court on Monday, he apologized to the girl he shot, saying he used poor judgment that day. Really, Robert? I, I'm, I'm still, I've read this case multiple times and don't understand how he avoided an attempted murder uh, charge or at least a second degree murder charge, uh, reckless engagement, negligent discharge, all sorts of other things. These are the lowest, most, uh, they made it seem almost like it was an accident. He can say, oops, my bad on it. Uh, we we got to understand that these crazy and deranged people are out here. They are whipped up on a media sphere that tells them that they are the victims and they are fighting back to save their civilization right now. Uh, and so we also need to uh, look at these problems 
prosecutors and find out what kind of deals they're cutting with people because he needs to be doing some very serious jail time. I know brothers who were doing five and ten years over weed and he's shooting into cars and they're talking about negligent discharge of a weapon. I think the charges are ridiculous. Monique, this is, I mean, again, this is the sort these people, and I love these people who say, oh, no, the more places we have guns, the safer we are. Not from these idiots. Listen, Robert knows exactly why he didn't have any of those other charges, and it's not just his white status. It is the fact that it was young black girls who were in that vehicle. I don't have to start quoting Malcolm X for everybody to understand that it is still true that we are the most unprotected in the United States and in the world. So the value of our lives is down and the the cost of his crime is down as well. So if it had been some white boys and he had shot into that vehicle, he would be looking at hard time and the charges would have been completely different. This this is this is age old. Them being Trump stupid that's new because Trump didn't come on the scene like that. But white men not being held to account for their crimes against black women, that's as old as this country. Georgia. I mean, I couldn't any better than Monique. You know, I interviewed Ben Crump a few times, and one of the things that he always talks about is the two justice systems, one for white America and one for black America. And you see that playing out here in this situation, the criminal justice system was not designed for us. It's not designed to work for us. And so that's why uh, someone like him can get just a little slap on the wrist for something that should have been attempted murder. Uh, speaking of murder in California, the man accused of beating a prominent uh, Bank of America um, executive is facing murder charges. Police say Anthony Dwayne Turner entered Michelle Avan's home and killed her on August 3rd. She was found by her son the following day. Avan was a senior vice president at Bank of America and helped other African Americans seeking financial industry careers. Hours after being found dead in her L.A. home by her son, the LAPD arrested Turner as a suspect connected to the slaying. Turner faces two felony counts for murder and first-degree residential burglary. The L.A. County District Attorney's Office says Turner and Avan not only worked together, but they had a personal relationship. Man, that's a, that's a really sad story. There were a lot of people uh, who were uh, commenting uh, about her work. Uh, she was saluted by Essence Magazine, was also been one of the uh, LA Urban League. Uh, and so uh, that's uh, what, uh, just, just a sad, just sad, sad story there, which, which also speaks to, uh, again, the issues that we continue to see in terms of how we also must have uh, much stronger laws, um, Georgia, that deal with uh, domestic violence. Uh, there are so many other stories we've seen. Uh, there are probably about three or four other stories that I've read in the past couple of weeks of black women uh, who have been uh, murdered uh, by their partners as a result of domestic uh, situations. You know, Roland, a few years ago, I did a, a big research project on femicide. And femicide isn't a term that we hear often anymore because it's been replaced with uh, partner violence um, because of the uh, growing population of people who identify uh, with, you know, they and them. 
But when you look back at the research that was done on femicide, which is simply the murder of women, what you discover is that 80 to 90 percent of the women who are murdered are murdered by their significant other or even their, their father, someone in their family, someone within the household, someone who that they would trust. When you look at murders against men, 80% of murders against men are from a stranger, someone that they're not acquainted with. And so I think that as we examine uh, the state of our culture here uh, and we look at, um, you know, how we interact with one another romantically, uh, that we address the violence that's happening in personal relationships. And it's going to require a, a full approach not just women speaking up uh, to protect other women, but also men taking a, a stance when they know that they have friends or relatives who are acting violently against those who that they're intimate with. A um, sad story there, folks. This, uh, passengers of an EasyJet flight out of London came together to protest the removal of two black men from the flight. This happened last Thursday as the flight was taking off from London's uh, Gatwick Airport heading to Spain. According to a passenger, flight attendants alerted police and had the plane return to the gate to remove two black men from the flight for huffing at a member of the crew when asked to put their shoes back on until after takeoff. Well, the men stayed on the flight after the passenger's protest, but the flight crew was replaced. EasyJet says the crew was replaced because they exceeded time limits on their shifts and not because of complaints from the incident. Watch the video. Pretty interesting there, uh, Monique, where the well, the passengers said, oh, hell no, we're going to overrule this uh, and told the brothers to stay. They did. They remained on their flight. The crew got booted. I'm not buying that. They exceeded their time limit. Maybe, but still, it was just great to hear um, others on the flight who were sticking up for them and not just letting this pass. Uh, we see uh, we see sort of the craziness. These things happen. Uh, and all too often, uh, I know this country, Robert, a lot of folks, uh, they remain silent uh, when these things happen, uh, not wanting to get involved. Those passengers said, nah, we're going to get involved. You know, shout out to your, those European white people. I think that uh, some of our white people here in America can learn from those Europeans uh, about what it means to really be an ally. That is not simply uh, you were your ally during election time or when we can do something for you, but when you see incidents of racial injustice taking place, uh, then you can stand up and use your privilege, use your power to actually speak out against it and stop and, uh, stop something from happening. And look, I don't know why the brothers had their shoes off. That sounds that sounds very weird to me, quite frankly. No, but, it's not. Uh, fact, no, it's not. Like, I, I, Robert, I, I, I do fly. Not, I fly all the time. White folks had their shoes off. Hell, they be sitting here with them funky-ass toes and no socks uh, on the seat, uh, on the damn wall, sitting in a bulkhead position. And I be looking like, man, take, oh, uh-uh. Like, I, like I, one plane, they literally, one, we were flying, and they had that nasty-ass, crusty foot, uh, you know, uh, uh, in between uh, the seat. It was kind of like, hey, hey, you need to take that foot down. So, oh, I, I've seen it. 
see, Roland, this is exactly what I tell this day. I don't care when COVID ends. I still travel with my mask, with a face shield, with gloves, and a bottle of Lysol that I spray on the seat when I sit down for this is that reason. So uh, I'm not saying the foot thing was uh, was the best, uh, best thing for them to be doing, but regardless, I do think that the airline needs to understand better ways to handle these situations. And when you see exercises like this where there's actually good ally, uh, allyhood, it does give you some hope for the future. So hopefully some of our friends at the Tennessee uh, uh, mask meeting can learn from these European white people how to act a little bit better and be better allies. Well, uh, I just let them know. Uh, you bring your little crusty-ass feet over here, but look, so I get it. And again, they didn't say they didn't have socks or anything on, but first, also, where's the damn rule that says your shoes gotta be on? See, that's that arbitrary BS that you see that goes on, so we know exactly uh, what took place there. Uh, all right, folks, uh, that is it for us. Uh, I want to thank Georgia, Robert, and Monique uh, for being on today's show, as I said. So I said I was going to give a shout-out to the folks who gave during the show. Uh, let me shout-out uh, uh, Johnny Burton, thank you for your $10. Samuel Thomas for 100 bucks. Michael Burleson for 5 bucks. Joyce Jackson Lott uh, for your $100. Bucks. Uh, she said, no shout-out necessary. You got it anyway. Uh, Sandra Cole, 25 bucks. Fayetta Sarios, 50 bucks. Tommy Williams, 3. Devery Lane Denard, 15. Reginald Ray, 50. Marcus Goodner, 25. Debbie Tate, 50. Shelly Award, uh, 25. She says, she sent you $25 for Robert. Sound like my dad, Ray Ward. Uh, so, uh, Robert, appreciate you sound like her daddy. Uh, that got us some money. Uh, Karen Styles sent five bucks for the equipment. Uh, Samato Dabney sent 20. Kendra Jones, 50. Antoine Pruitt, 25. Francois Eberhardt, 15. Uh, Christique uh, sent 50 bucks. Thank you so very much. 6 a.m. sent a dollar. That's all I have this week, 6 a.m. We appreciate it. Every dollar that comes to us, we, we treat it the same way. You get the same shout out as the person who gave 100. Uh, and so thank you so very much. Uh, Cordell McMillan uh, sent two bucks for the blackest show on TV. Can't wait for the announcement. Actually, going to be two announcements uh, that week. Latoya Fears for your 10 bucks. Kalinda Lee for your 20 bucks. I appreciate it as well. Linda Robinson for your 25 bucks. Sharice uh, Kelly Garrett. Ray Wilson. Uh, thank you so very much. Michael Hooks. Uh, thank you so very much. Mike, yo, thank you. Michael sent $500 for, for supporting the cause. Thanks a bunch. 555-450. Cynthia William Bugs, Justin Collins. Willie Carswell. Uh, Donald Rush as well. Roxana Deshong, uh, thank you so very much. Ford, Helen, Joe, uh, Joe Madugo, thanks a lot. Jasmine Doby, uh, Mo S, Demetrius Hammond, Pamela Muldrew, uh, Curtis Rhodes, Joy Jenkins, Douglas Washington, uh, Andre Terry, Jay Bailey, Clarice Zoll, Teresa Nobles, Cordell McMillan, Francis Mitchell, uh, let's see here, Earl, Angela Wilkerson, Ray Wilson, uh, let's see him, Ronald Pierce, Melinda Evans, all thank you uh, so very much. Also, uh, Nina Murphy, thank you very much for your $50 contribution. Uh, Jocelyn Roach, thank you so very much uh, as well. And let me see here, okay, let me see who else I got. I'm looking, I'm looking. Make sure you got everybody right here. Uh, and uh, do, 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 I think I got one more. Um, Ignited Financial, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, thank you uh, so uh, very much. Okay, let me just check real quick. I know some folks are on Venmo, uh, so I got to give them um, uh, a shout out. Uh, we'll do that. So actually, I'll, I'll do that uh, tomorrow. Hey, folks, don't forget, got a guest host in the show tomorrow. I'm traveling to Houston. My Aunt Lurdy, her wake is tomorrow night. I'll be traveling to Houston for that. Uh, and then her funeral is on Friday. So I will not be here uh, tomorrow and Friday. But I want you all to please still support the show uh, while I am with uh, our family as we bury my uh, my Aunt Lurdy. Uh, that's going to take place in Houston. Uh, uh, and I'll be giving the eulogy uh, for her on Friday uh, at Second Baptist Church. Oh, they, they got a five-minute 
limit. I'm like, y'all don't have many black funerals here, huh? I'm like, a five-minute eulogy? Black people, we, we get through all the church protocol in the first five minutes, so we'll see how we work that thing out. Uh, so, and don't forget, Sunday, uh, I'll be broadcasting on Sunday from Cynthia Entertainers Golf Tournament. Y'all, it's going to be a fantastic show. It's going to be comedy. It's going to be music. We're going to have it all, and we are the exclusive. We are the only media outlet that's going to be providing to you. That's what happens when we got the hookup, when y'all travel with Uncle Ro Ro. So when I roll, y'all roll. And so that's going to be on Sunday night. Trust me, it's going to be great. And then, of course, on Monday, we're broadcasting the show live from the golf tournament as well. Thanks a bunch, folks. I'll see y'all see uh, this weekend. We'll see you in Rollermont Unfiltered. Holla! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are. Are underway the great american race the motor racing network nascar cup xfinity and craftsman truck series racing live on your hometown radio station and mrn or nascar.com martinsville talladega the chicago street course we have the side-by-side -side action and last lap passes for the win photo finishes ryan blaney will win the voice of nascar the motor racing network